This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Um, if there was a title, I would have named this, It's the Blessed Life, or It's All About the Heart. And I don't, again, I don't know who is supposed to hear this, but you are not here by accident, so I'm hoping it's one of you at least. Um, and by the way, Pastor Mike did not tell me to talk about this subject, so he's off the hook. He didn't say, talk about this and then leave the building. So I wrote, rewrote, and then I would scratch it, and then I'd start to... Um, uh, think of another subject, and I just couldn't land. I could, this one, I couldn't land on. And then all of a sudden, just this knowing came. I'm like, that's it, that's what we're gonna talk about. So I ask you, if I could give you one tool today that would break off chains, that would increase blessings, finances, um, abundance in your life, would you wanna know what it is, right? We'd wanna know. Um, so I'm gonna give you that key today, and we're, I'm gonna have you turn your Bibles to Luke 6, 37 and 8. And I encourage you to take notes, not just for me, but when Pastor Mike is, is speaking, when Paul is speaking, Angie, we want you to take notes because, you know, just that faint memory, you're going to go, oh, that was so good. Well, what was it about? And if the Holy Spirit's stirring something in you, write it down. Um, type it into your phone because you're, you're going to go back later and wish you had. So I just, I'm a note taker and I, I fill up notebooks every time I go somewhere. So I just want to encourage you. But Luke 6, 37 and 8 says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Now I ask you, when you look at that scripture, do you see the word money anywhere in there? No? But over and over and over again, I see people talking about money and tithing, and they quote this scripture. And it actually has nothing to do with money. Okay, but when we hear the words give, we think it's money, right? And there's so much more than, than it just being about money. So judge not, and it will be measured back to you. Look in that middle sentence up there, and it says, give, and it will be given to you. We assume it's money, again, but this is not about money. So everything in our life is about giving. You must give in marriage. If only one is giving, it's not going to work. Uh, giving in grace. God gave his only son. So it's a heart issue. It is all about the heart. And Jesus said, where your heart is, that's where your treasure, will, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, okay? So I hear people saying all the time, oh, the church just wants my money. They don't want to go to church because they talk about money, right? And Paul just said, we talk about money. We talk about tithing because we want you to have the blessing that comes alongside that. So the church isn't after your, isn't after your money. God is after your money. It's not a church thing. It's not Pastor Mike going, I want your money. And here's why. Because God is after your heart. Right? 
And where your heart is, or where your money is, that's where your heart is. So if you want to be in the kingdom, put your treasure there, okay? So because he's after your heart and your heart is connected to your wallet, I believe there's a string. Because <laughs> when people say give, and you can see it on their face, they reach back to their wallet and their face just kind of grimaces. They're like, oh, I gotta give again. So we know it's tied. We know your heart is tied to your wallet. So, but if God can get your wallet, he can get your heart, okay? Your heart follows your wallet. And I, I think of when you put money in the stock market or you invest in something, suddenly you're just following that. You're watching it diligently. You wake up in the morning, you check it. You might check it throughout the day. You're talking to people about it. Where yesterday, before you invested, you really could have cared less, right? But all of a sudden, your treasure is in that um, stock or it's in that investment. And so you're watching it. You're watching where it goes. So if you want your heart in the kingdom, put your treasure there. So I'll go back to the scripture about three things. It's about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. If you judge, you will be judged. If you condemn, you will be condemned. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. And I love this, if, those two little letters, good measure, press down, for the same measure you judge, you will get judgment back. And I'm preaching to myself today. It is so easy to, to judge people or judge circumstances instead of letting God just take, take care of things. And we release it. So you can apply this to other areas, areas of your life. And I love, you know, like Paul said, it's not just about the money, but it's a law of sowing and reaping. He has seen it. We've seen it in our lives. So if you give a seed, you don't just get a seed back right? You get a tree back. You get fruit. You get something with multiple seeds back to it. So whatever you give, give good seeds because you're going to get more back. So let's look at um, Deuteronomy. Switch, uh, switch over to Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8. So we're going to dig a little deeper in this concept. And it says, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land of the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. And so how can you develop a heart of generosity? So God tells us there's four things we need to do. So number one is deal with a selfish heart. So if you'll look at verse 9, 15, 9. He says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year of canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be guilty, considered guilty of sin. Notice again, it's a heart issue, okay? Selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes. So you want to lend with a willing heart and be generous. Why do you think, I love this question, why do you think God created giving? Does anybody have a, an inkling? He didn't, did, this it cracks me up, because people always say, well, it's to do God's work, right? He, do you really think God needs money to do his work? You know, is the light bill too high in heaven, so he needs our money to pay the light bill? Or more money to pave the streets of gold? No. <laughs> Here's why he created giving. He created it for you, okay? He created it because when we give, it takes our selfishness and greed out of our lives. When, get, when we give to get, it works selfishness back into our lives. So when you give, you're learning to be unselfish. Number two, dealing with a grieving heart. 
When you give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. It's verse 10. Give and your heart won't grieve when giving. God will bless you then in all your works. And all means all you put your hand to. Not just part of it, not a little section, not just your job or just your family. It's all, okay? We need to understand that it's a heart issue, but selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Do you ever give and you're like, oh, you kind of regret that uh, pain of regret kind of uh, issue? Have you ever given a large amount? God told you to give a large amount or commit to a year-long goal, and then immediately after something breaks, right? And you're like, oh, why did, why did I just do that? Well, you know, the enemy is trying to come along after you've given and take you down. And I know this is weird, but I'm sitting up here as I'm giving this, and this fleeting thought came into my mind, and we're going out to golf and for lunch afterwards, and I, I realized I don't have any extra cash with me. So I was like, okay, oh, sorry, I don't know where that's coming from. So I realized that I needed, I, we just needed some extra cash. And, okay. <laughs> message has so moved me. <laughs> I'd like you and Robin to go out and just enjoy yourself. Well, thank, you. thank you. We just appreciate it. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Hey, baby. I'm keeping this. <laughs> I'll take you with. Yeah. Are you sure? Do I need to pay you back? No. No. It's a gift. It's a gift. Okay. That's really nice. <laughs> Anybody else? No. <laughs> so how many of you wonder why Jerry just jumped up and gave me $100. It's my money. <laughs> I planted it there, and I wanted him to help me make a point. Do you think Jerry is grieving giving me my own money back? No. That tithe you give God is God's money. You're just giving it back to him. It's not yours. You're not giving up your money. It is his money and you are giving it back, okay? So we're gonna do, go deeper in that, but thank you for playing along, Jerry. I appreciate that. <laughs> so number three is to develop a generous heart. And when you're giving back to Jesus, there's no grieving because it was already his. But now we wanna develop a generous heart, not just the little, but the extra. So if we uh, go to uh, Deuteronomy 15:14. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. So when you think of generosity with the letter G, God starts with a G. Selfishness is an S. Satan starts with an S. So you can kind of, I love the correlation of that. So liberally, generously, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. God wants us to be generous, you guys. We are born selfish. We are born again generous. Okay? So you are all born again if, you're, if you are a believer in Christ. We've just got to renew our mind. Teaching your children to share, isn't that the hardest thing? You know, they're like one, two, and it's mine. That's mine, 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 mine. And I'll tell you, you don't care what it is and who's got it, you go get it and give it to that kid because you can't take one more mine, right? You're in the other room listening to this. So anybody have kids in that stage right now? <laughs> it's hard, right? Um, 
So God is saying to all his children, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father who loves you so much that he gave? So number four is to develop a grateful heart. So if we go back to Deuteronomy 15, 15, remember, therefore, I command you on this day. So what is God saying? He's saying, I command you to be generous. He's doing it under the authority that everything comes from him. So you need to remind yourself sometimes <laughs> that you were a slave once also, that you were in bondage, and God has brought you out of this. I thank him every day for redeeming me. It's no secret that my prior life was not um, lily white. <laughs> he took me out of sin, sexual sin, partying. He took me out of lack. He took, look, he took me you know, into this awesome lifestyle of prosperity and abundance and joy. And it's not just prosperity and money. It's prosperity in all things, all things. We talk about money, but so much more comes from that giving. So did you know there's a test in the Bible? Did you know that there's a test? There's one test, okay? So many believers don't believe there's a test in the Bible, but I wanna ask you guys, how many of you get paid weekly? Raise your hand if you get paid weekly. How about every other week? Anybody get, okay, a lot of people. How about how, once a month? Anybody get paid once a month? I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I could not do it on once a month. Anybody not get paid? <laughs> They'd like to get paid? <laughs> oh, you will one day. <laughs> but here's the test. Every time you get paid, what do you do with that paycheck? What's the first thing you do with that paycheck after it gets in the bank? Who do you pay? Do you pay yourself? Do you pay Visa? Do you pay your mortgage? Or do you pay God? Do you write that check out the day you get paid? Now, I'm not being legalistic about it, but are you intentional about, because God says first fruits, not what's left over at the end, but first fruits. So Malachi 3.6, we, we quote this a lot. He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. And then in verse seven, it says, from the days of our fathers, you've turned aside from my ordinances. I'm gonna come back to the word ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, return unto me, and I will return unto you, says Jehovah of hosts. But you say, where shall I return? If we continue to verse 8, it says, will a man rob God? But you say, wherein have we robbed him? In tithes and offerings. So if we look at the word ordinances, this is God talking. The God who doesn't change, right? And ordinances means the principle of ordinary behavior. Tithing is ordinary behavior. It's not once in a while. It's not when I feel like it. It's day in. Ordinarily, ordinarily we get dressed in the morning. We brush our teeth. These are just ordinary, everyday things. And so is tithing. So he's telling his people they've gone away from the ordinary principle. Therefore, you are under a curse. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the, the whole nation of you. And that's Malachi 3.9. You are cursed with a curse. A curse is a consequence. If you steal, there's a consequence. You're stealing from God, so there's a consequence. You're stealing from God that he has set apart for the tithe for the house of God. If you keep the tithe, you are stealing. And, it, and the house of God is your home church. You might be here visiting, you might be here for the summer, but your home church is who you give the 10% to and the full 10%. 
You cannot go, I'm gonna do 5% at this church and 5% at this church. That's control. I remember when I, I was learning this concept, I'm like, well, what if I wanna to give to the building fund? Well, my 10% comes to the church and the offering is the after the 10%. So if I wanna have more going to our church fund, that's not my 10%. The 10% goes in the bucket, all of it, and it goes on the gross. I want my gross blessed, not my net, okay? So he is stealing, uh, we are stealing when we don't put our full 10% in. And I remember I was a little girl, my dad did not spank me probably twice in my life, and this was one of them. I'd been caught stealing a candy bar. I don't know how, I was thinking that this morning, I'm like, how did he even know? I'd eaten it, there was no evidence of this candy bar. And I got spanked and I was just, I was, felt horrible, mostly because it was painful. But then he made me go to that um, store owner and apologize. And I felt, uh, that stuck, struck with me, more than that spanking. I was embarrassed, I was humiliated. I, I was probably eight or nine years old, but I remember it. And <laughs> that was worse than the spanking. And I tell you, I do not want to ever steal again, <laughs> lest my dad find out. But my heavenly father will find out, right? So would any of you, as the buckets were being passed just now, did any of you reach in and take some of that money out? I've heard some people make change. <laughs> Has anybody reached in? I doubt it. But if you didn't put your full 10% in, it was the same thing, okay? And I'm telling you this because I want you to break that curse. I want you to really get this part today. You are blessed to be a blessing. God doesn't want you under a curse, you guys, but you are voluntarily placing yourself under the curse because you're going away from that ordinary principle of behavior. Okay, you're choosing it. Do you guys know what our mission statement is here at Harvest? Anybody? You know that's posted out there? There's a vision and a mission. Those are two separate things. So I've got it. They're going to put it up on the PowerPoint up behind me. But it says, equipping Christians to live irresistible lifestyles. Is that a great word? Irresistible? And to engage in influential works of service in God's kingdom. Does your life look irresistible? Or are you broke and sick and, you know, got everything under the sun going on with you? Maybe if you walk in this principle, this ordinary principle, your life will start to look, not just on Facebook, <laughs> but in real life. It will feel and look and be irresistible, right? Not just for the others, but you'll feel it. I mean, I, am, I like walk around my life, and this was before I married the dream that I was waiting for. I just, I was grateful for my life. I loved my life. I love it even more now that I've been, that he showed up because I was waiting. It was this one thing that I wanted so badly for 16 years. And I'm just constantly grateful. But I was grateful before. And I had a blessed life before. So in my singleness, I was grateful. Does that make sense? So, that's a word for somebody. <laughs> um, so does your life look irresistible? When we are blessed, we're able to do those works of service that it talks about. Because service can cost money. Those flags, those people, when we send our team on a missions trip, it costs money. 
When we do an Easter egg hunt, it costs money. When we bring a speaker in, it costs money. And so when we are, I, I, I don't like that churches are called non-for-profit. I just hate that. And I know it's a tax thing, but we are for-profit. <laughs> we can't send people if we don't, aren't operating in the black, right? Just like in our own personal lives. We cannot operate in kingdom principles if we are in lack. When people argue about tithing because it's in the Old Testament and not, you know, that we're under the new covenant and we don't have to tithe, I just wonder what is the spirit behind that? Why, why would we not want to? God gave his son for you. His son died for you and we can't give 10%. So I just, I struggle with that. And I hear my heart on this. I was that person. I was like, well, the church is always wanting, you know, want my money, but I'm telling you this so you can break that curse that, and walk in freedom in your life. So God gave his son for you, and he is, I think he put um, those scriptures in the end of the, at the end of the um, Old Testament so it would test our faith. I really believe that. And um, I heard it said, uh, someone say that, you know, it's like 15 verses before the New Testament. If he'd just gone a little further, he would have been in the New Testament. But it's there to test our faith. So I think he chose 10% because it's fair. Whether you make a lot, when I wasn't making anything, hardly anything at all, and I had the up and the down and the up and the down in my finances, I'd have a great month in my business and then a mediocre, and then it was horrible. A great month, and I just it was just feast or famine, this horrible cycle. And when I quit and I put all my 10% and I did it consistently, even whether I'd gone to church or not, I'm putting it in there. Just like Paul said, I, to use a double negative, you cannot not get me to tithe, right? So I got off that merry-go-round when I worked with this principle. So I heard Robert Morris speak about a blessed life and he thinks God chose 10% because it's representing testing in the Bible. Every time you see the number 10 in the Bible, it's usually tied to a test. So I'm going to give you guys a test, okay? So I have a couple questions for you, a few questions for you. I'm going to need you to participate and participate loudly so that the um, people on the podcast later can hear, so that our, our TV watchers can hear, or our, um, that was on the radio, okay? So question number one, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Yes, thank you. And you could say, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart in that, right? So number two, how many commandments are there? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and you may not know some of these, but there's a theme going. Do you see the theme? Okay. <laughs> how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Yes. Thank you. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Yes. Yep, God was testing his heart. Again, this heart thing. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Yes. How many days of testing in Revelation? Yes. How many disciples are there? Yes. No. <laughs> There's 12. <laughs> Just testing you. So tithing is a test, but it's a two-way test, okay? So God not only tests you, he's saying, test me. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Test me on this one thing. He wants to bless you. He says, I want to rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on if you're going to thank me and worship me. And your tithing is a form of worship. And whether you are going to believe with the 90% that God blesses, he'll do more with than the 100% that he'd do without. 
if you don't um, tithe. God wants us to test him. He wants to test our faith, and tithing is the key. So tithing is biblical. It's not bad if you don't tithe, you guys. You're not a bad person. I hope you don't leave here feeling, oh, I'm horrible. That's not it. If, um, I'm just going to quote some script or give you some um, scripture verses that you can go back and look up. But Genesis 14, 18 through 10, 20, that was 500 years before the law. Our spiritual fathers gave. Genesis 28, 22, this was 400 years before the law. Holy means set apart. So when you read this, you can go back and see that. Leviticus 27.30, Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2. So you can go back and, and see that this, isn't, um, that this is throughout the Bible. From beginning to end, this giving thing is a theme that runs through the Bible. Tithing is a blessing. In 2 Chronicles 31, King Hezekiah realizes that they are under a curse. So he puts out a, a commandment to bring offerings in. And you guys, they get so much offering. It's like heaps upon heaps upon heaps. And as soon as they started to do things God way, God's way, he started to bless them. And the heaping was only the 10%. Imagine what the 90% would look like if just the 10% was given. Tithers have consistently told, told me how blessed they are. You just heard Paul say that. If you ask the tithers in the room, they would say they are blessed. I see people nodding. I hear the non-tithers always say they can't afford to tithe. And that was me too. I can't afford it. I was a single mom. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to put food on the table? Some of you are getting the revelation right now that, that, that how important this is. And the enemy is going to come in and he's going to try and undo what you're hearing. You know. You know like you know like you know. God's moving on you. And chains are going to be broken off you. Your finances are going to have breakthrough because you're getting this concept. If God is first in your life, then everything else will come into order. God is a God of order. I'm not saying you won't have issues, you won't have trials. Jesus even said, you'll have tribulation. Newsflash, you'll have it. We live in a fallen world. But would you rather have tribulation with everything in order than with all of it out of order, right? If he is not first, nothing will come to order. The principle of first runs through scripture from Genesis to Revelation. God says, it's mine. That is mine. It's, his, it's a principle. I am the owner. In Exodus, it talks about being set apart. If you don't redeem it, you will lose it anyway. If you don't put that 10% in that bucket, you're going to lose it. It just, it's going to go away. It's not going to, it would have done more in that bucket for you than it would if you tried to keep it, okay? If you don't bring it to me, we're, you're still going to lose it. It's going to come out of your account. It takes faith to give first because if you don't know, it will produce more that 10% enacts the blessing, that it takes faith to enact the blessing. So there's three levels of giving, tithing, offering, and extravagant offerings, also known as painful offerings, <laughs> when God asks you to do something big, bigger than you've normally done. All giving is tied to one of these three in the Bible. Most Christians, you guys, never even get to the first one. Most Christians don't even get to the full 10%. Do you know how many Christians tithe the full 10% on their, on their gross? You're not, you're just not, I, I know it's not us. We're the exception to the rule, for sure. Five to seven percent tithe the full 10% on their gross. That's it. 
That means 93 to 95% of all believers never get to the first level. The good news is if you get to the first level, the second and the third will naturally come to you. And you become a generous giver, an extravagant giver. And excuse me, Mark 14.9 talks about the reward of generosity. So you want to write that down and look it up. Generosity comes from gratitude. I was just talking about how grateful I am for, for the life that I have. Was it always easy? Is it always easy? Nope. There's a lot of things going on that, you know, just aren't out there. Mary took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the, of the perfume. That's John 12, 3. Why do you think Mary gave so extravagantly? Does anybody know Two months prior, her brother Lazarus had been raised from the dead. If God raised one of your family members from the dead, would you be generous? Absolutely. But here's the deal. All of you who believe in Christ have been raised from the dead. You're all believers. You're all generous givers. So it's sometimes you've got to remind yourself of that. Mary didn't come to be rewarded, but God rewarded her anyway. God always rewards generously. The definition of generosity is giving and expecting nothing in return. Selfishness is when you give and think God owes you something. How many of us do that? Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. The word in this, uh, the word, um, how this is the word, excuse me, how the word reward is used in this scripture is only used in this context one time in the whole Bible, okay? And in this context, it means reward with extravagance. I love the word extravagance. <laughs> I love that. He is going to reward you extravagantly. It's not the amount, it's the heart. It's the attitude, the heart. To, and again, I, I used this earlier, that double negative grammatically, God cannot not reward you. God is a rewarder. This is something he is. It's who he is. It's his nature. Just like God cannot lie to you because he is truth. Okay? God has often blessed me financially, but there's a difference between being blessed and being rewarded. He blesses us with finances, but Genesis 12 tells us that he's rewarding. Your reward will be me. He rewards us with himself. In other words, it affects every area of your life. Is that cool? It's not just, again, it's not just in your finances. And, you know, it's a message about finances, but it's way beyond that. It, because your heart is tied to your treasure. So make sure that your heart is, your finances are in the kingdom. So I'm going to wrap this up, and I just want us to pray. I want you to hold your hands open, Father. We repent for not bringing the entire 10% to you, for not trusting you. I pray you increase our faith in this area that you can do amazing things through us and in us. And I break off that spirit of selfishness and I pray the spirit of giving and generosity will land in your people today. Give them peace to trust you as you grow in this area, that we will be known as being extravagant givers. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to um, just give you a little, I, this has just been on my heart, and I'm just going to say it. If you gave today, but you didn't do the full 10%, or you didn't give at all, 
and you really, you, you know, oh, there goes the bucket, and I wish I had. You're going, oh, I wish, I would like to break the curse today. Anybody want to break that curse? There's a little box outside as you go out the front door, and you can slip your check in there. If you're feeling like, I want to break this curse, I want financial breakthrough, I want blessing in all areas of my life, and you want to start today with that full 10%, slide it in there. You get, you get, God gave us free will. He chose, you get to choose. So if you are here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, if you die today and, I don't know, I'm a good person, a good person doesn't get you to heaven. You have to actually ask Jesus into your heart. So I'm going to have you all stand corporately. We're going to um, repeat together. So if you're alone and you haven't ever done this, you will not do it alone. We are your brothers and your sisters. And you're just going to repeat after me. Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I repent and ask for forgiveness for all that I've done against you. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins, and on the third day he rose again. Fathers, you, excuse me, I fully accept him into my heart as Lord and Savior and surrender my life to you. Father, as you fill me with the Holy Spirit, I ask you to cleanse, mold, and shape me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And congratulations, you are now born again, child of God. So we're going to have the prayer team come up. And these are safe people, but if you feel you need um, prayer for uh, repenting and just want a blessing on this, on, on your finances, maybe you need a breakthrough on financial um, issues in your life, maybe you need a healing touch, these people are safe and we want you to come and, and be blessed. And I know sometimes you're like, oh, I want to go, but I'm really uncomfortable and I'm really embarrassed that I might need something. But if you can't be real and vulnerable in church, where can you be, right? This is a safe place, you guys. Churches are hospitals. You come to get healed when you come to church, okay? So I thank you, Father God, for this day. I thank you for these people. I just, I pray a blessing on them, Father. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this word today as chains are being broken off, Father. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.